what I would love, and this is something that I wish I had growing up, is those kids that grew up in the inner city who grew up in low-income households that when they have a dream or they have an idea that they will have the resources that some other kids that are very privileged that they have. And in the ideal world, it would be dope, you know, if that could be equal. And so I think that um, as we continue to learn, it's important for us to continue to spread the knowledge and for our community to spread that knowledge to make that become reality. And I think on my end, I agree with you, Breezy, because, you know, us growing up, we had so many ideas and we had things you wanted to do in life. And we did have people in our lives that told us that we couldn't do what we could do. But the reason why they told us that is because they didn't have people in their lives that showed that they could actually do certain things. So we can't really be mad at those people. But I do think that it is important in my ideal world, all the kids and children and the youth will have resources or people to be able to succeed in their dreams, their goals, and their everyday life. I'm Kimberly Drew, and you're listening to Your Attention Please, a Hulu podcast with iHeartRadio. This is the final episode of Your Attention Please. I am full of so many emotions. I am so full of gratitude for everyone who has listened to one or eight episodes of this series. I am full of sadness because this is our last episode, y'all. But I am also so full of gratitude because of all the episodes to be our last episode. Today, we are joined by Coco and Breezy, two young women entrepreneurs who also happen to be dear friends of mine. And I cannot wait to get today's conversation kicked off. Coco and Breezy have been on quite the journey, living in Indiana, Tennessee, and Minnesota, all before landing in New York with big dreams of becoming entrepreneurs. With some savings, they took a big leap and turned their love of eyewear into a flourishing business. Today, their eyewear brand Coco and Breezy has blown up with stars like Rihanna, Serena Williams, and Prince wearing their creations. I am such a lover of fashion. And I think that everything that we wear, that we put on ourselves, tells a story about who we are and who we hope will see us as on a day-to-day basis. I am so fortunate to have worn a pair of Coco and Breezy glasses. I had my first pair for South by Southwest probably two or three years ago. And I remember coordinating each and every one of the outfits that I wore for that week around the glasses because I wanted them to be the statement piece because there is a very, very, very special energy that goes into each of the pairs that they have. Each of their frames is so full of life and a story and a narrative. And there is something almost cosmic and like you're, you know, like almost like a space jam level transformation that happens when you put the glasses on because you know that you're standing in your power or sitting in your power in ways that may not have been accessible to you before. Like I said, I think fashion is such an incredible portal into who we are. And I think every time that I get the opportunity to share space with Coco and Breezy, I learn just a little bit more about my friends. There's so much that they've accomplished in such a short amount of time, and there's so much more ahead of the both of them. So if they could have your attention, please, our guests today, our final guests, Coco and Breezy. I'm Coco. And I'm Breezy. 
And we are co-founders of Coco and Breezy Eyewear. We're also co-founders of a real estate property called The Lorca. And we are DJs and producers. So let's start first talking about the video that you guys made for your attention, please, on Hulu. Um, can you talk about what the process was for making that video? If there were things that came up that were surprising to even you guys as you were retelling your story to the audience. Something that was really important to us was since this was a project for Black History Month, it was very important to have a team that could also be celebrated to create the vision. And so on our end, Hulu supported we as founders as well, and they supported all of our businesses. So it was it was actually unreal because we've never worked with a company that understood our, you know, we want it to be, we're very sensitive when it comes to celebrating things that have to do with, you know, Black History Month or the LGBTQ plus world, because we think it's important that the people from the inside should tell a story all the way out. And it was cool that we ended up shooting at our property called the Lorca. You know, they included our eyewear in a gift, like marketing promo for their customers and the, the viewers that were watching the season, which is really exciting. And we also got to score and curate the music for our episode and let alone be in the episode and share our story. Love to hear that. I wonder if you guys could talk to me and you already started to hint on it in terms of personal style. You guys have always in all the years that we've known each other been so distinct in the ways in which you present yourselves like in true Leo fashion. Um, and I wonder if you could talk about your style evolution as it's changed from childhood to the present day. Our style has evolved so much. I mean, we always say that we evolve every couple years and the way our style evolves is, you know, we evolve our personal style based on how we evolve as women. And I think that's very interesting. And one big time that we were trying to grow as people, we had this time where I thought, you know, Breezy and I, we hid behind our hair. We hid behind our sunglasses. When we first moved to New York, the first year, no one saw our eyes. We always just wore glasses and covered our eyes. And so there was a point in our lives where we, where we kind of felt lonely, insecure, and people started to only know us from our glasses, our hair, and our clothing. And we only knew ourselves for the material that was sitting on our body. So one thing we did was we were like, in order for us to grow, we need to take away something that we, that we love. We ended up shaving our hair, and we shaved all of our hair off, and our hair was us, you know? But... It helped us grow into a new path in our lives because I always feel like with evolution, when you take away something that you love, you have this new growth within yourself. And during that time frame, we actually slowed down with wearing makeup as well because we felt like we were covering up all the scars and we didn't want people to see those scars. And we were covering ourselves up again with the makeup, with the hair covering our faces, with the big clothing. Then once we shaved our heads, you know, stopped wearing makeup, we actually, and then we actually slowed down wearing glasses and we had to look people in their eyes. It helped us evolve as women. And so now every day, every year, the evolution is not only with our style, but it's with our style within ourselves as people and as women. So I think that like Coco said, we, once we start to grow within ourselves spiritually and coming into our womanhood, we realized that we were 
allowing that trauma, that childhood trauma of being bullied, it was really rolling over into our adult life. And once we actually pinpointed where those feelings were stemming from and we felt that it was stemming from being being bullied, we started to, you know, recognize that and we started to move differently and have a different perspective on life and a different perspective. Like if someone's staring at us, they're not necessarily staring in a mean way. No one's the world is not against us. We swore the world was against us. They might just be liking our hair or our outfits. And we swore, I, I promise you, we made up this whole story. Oh my gosh, why is she staring? Is something wrong with me? And then people would come up to us and be like, oh, you're beautiful. Or I love your earrings. And I'm like, we worked up this whole narrative in our heads thinking the world was against us. And someone just gave us a really beautiful compliment. And so as we walk through life, we're just walking through life with a new narrative as we experience different things now. Would you say for the both of you, a lot of the confidence building or better understanding of your individual selves comes from communication or where do you guys look for inspiration and how to better articulate yourselves or see yourselves? Something I can say, just a general statement is that when it comes to life and it comes to the journey of life, everything's about practice. And I think that Coco and I had the advantage of being twins to be able to practice, you know, taking accountability for things at a young age. Because with the two of us, one of us had to take accountability for something. We both had to practice how to be self-aware because the other person wasn't, you know, the other person would bust you out in a heartbeat and be like, um, no, actually, it's supposed to be this way. You know, we practice intuition at a young age. So I think that a lot of people, you know, think twins are magical, which we are very magical because we had the advantage of being able to start these practices since the womb. We've been doing these practices for almost 30 years now. And it's something that anybody could do. But I think that with that self-awareness, again, we've been having that level of self-awareness in that practice for a long time now. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about being almost solitary in the ways that you were presenting yourself or the ways in which you sounded or the ways in which you appeared in space to other people. Because I think oftentimes, especially like the way that you guys dressed when you moved to New York, it was a very like, people could presume it as rebellious spirit, but it almost sounds like you guys were not necessarily rebelling against everything else, but trying to find a sense of self within the ways in which you were articulating. I think you're so right about that because when we moved to New York, we were, I think we started having like a, a punk style, I would say like high school. And it was just like, we just felt like we were on top of the world. Like we loved looking like badasses because we know internally we were fighting demons and like we were so, we were just so sad about being misunderstood. So what made us happy was to just look like we were badass. Like it gave us this level of confidence. And when we moved to New York, we actually finally felt like, we were accept, accepted somewhere and we weren't looked at as being weird with our styles because in New York, if someone looks at you weird, like, come on, you live in New York. Like, you see everything and anything in New York when it comes to fashion and it comes to style. And so I think when we moved to New York, it really inspired us to just, you know, continue to be ourselves, to understand there are people out there like us. We aren't the only ones. Because in Minnesota, we had no idea that there were people out there like us. We really felt alone. Even though there was, we had each other, there was still a sense of like feeling like we were alone. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to move to New York? Because this story is wild. Um, 
what that transition was like, how you guys made that choice, what the first few months of New York was like. When we made the decision to move to New York, oh my gosh, you know, my twin sister, Breezy, she is a risk taker. I love her for that because things always get done. But since I'm more motherly, it can be a little scary. You know, we started traveling to New York when we were 17. And by the time we were 19, Breezy was like, Coco, we just have to move to New York. We have to move to New York in three weeks. I'm like, what, Breezy? We, don't, we only have like $1,000. Like, that's not going to work out. And for her, she's like, well, I'm booking our flights. And it's funny because even now, her personality is the same. When we got on that flight to New York, I remember like it was yesterday. I like was eating a cinnamon Pop-Tart. And this woman was like, oh, are you guys going to go visit in New York? We're like, no, we're moving here. They're like, oh, for what? Well, we're starting our eyewear company. And everyone thought we were so crazy. And I can proudly say we've been working for ourselves full time since 2009. Never had a nine to five. Our last nine to five was that job we quit to move to New York. When we first went from working from home and it was time for us, you know, start paying that Manhattan rent off, like office rent. Breezy's like, Coco, let's do it. Like, we can handle it, you know? And for me, I'm all, I, I'm, I still, I can't even, like, I still get nervous about certain situations, but Breezy's, she's, she's spontaneous, but she's smart with her, with being spontaneous. And I think that if I didn't have that half, I probably would be a little further back. But with the both of us, when she decided that we were going to move, because of course, being twins and how our connection and at that time, if one person made a decision, the other person had to ride with it. So when she decided that we were going to move to New York, there was no turning back. But it was such a beautiful feeling once we actually got here. I think that some, as people, we can't be afraid to step into something new. Because when you step into something new like this, it helps you find a new path. And if we wouldn't have moved to New York the time that we decided we wouldn't be where we are today. But when you have that gut feeling, you have to listen to your gut. Like your your gut does not lie to you. Your intuition doesn't lie to you. And so at that time, we had that like, we had those butterflies in our stomach that were very undeniable. They're undeniable. And it was a feeling we've never had before. So we had to follow our heart. I love that story so much because it really is so unique. And so many people come to New York with, with big pipe dreams and so much doubt and all those things. And it's so important that people, I mean, in these times, especially like take that chance on themselves. Cause you know what you want to be, you know, what version of yourself you want to be. And that actually really does lead well into my next question, which is around just how do you remain present and grounded? Um, I think for so many, when you're trying to get something off the ground, all you have is that moment where you're like, okay, I have to spend and dedicate every hour of my day to learning these new skills. And I wonder for you guys how, as you're thinking future forward, you have a brand that's more established, how you remain grounded and maybe even humble in the work that you're doing. I think for us, and um, I'll answer this question because everyone has their own way of doing it, but the way that we do it, I think is family. Honestly, I think that having family, and when I say family, it's not only like blood family. It's like you might have those friends that are like your family. You may have like your your parents, whoever you have that you consider family. They will always keep you grounded and keeping good people around you and also not getting caught up in the hype or the clout. It's so easy to be on social media 
And with social media, it's easy to compare yourself to someone and want someone else's lifestyle. But if you have the eye on the prize on what you personally want to do, and you, you're doing it for a, a bigger reason, you're not doing it for like the fame and the money and all that stuff comes with it. I think that that's the key of how we stay grounded. Also, like, to be honest, like Coco and I, like, since again, we can live this life with the, with the two of us. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to be in someone else's circle. So that's another thing that, of how we stay grounded because we'll, we'll easily check ourselves. And we have friends around us that will easily check us if we're not grounded. They haven't had to check us yet because I don't see myself being that person. But I think that since we do have each other, it's an advantage. And I think also like every day, no matter what I go through, I feel that what we're doing is for a bigger cause. You know what I mean? Like I know that I'm, I got put into this world to be, I know that I can go through a huge challenge. I can go through the biggest problems of life and I know I can handle it with grace. And not everyone can do that. I think that I got put on this world to show people how to do it. And I was telling Coco, I said, Coco, people don't understand us is because we're creating a new path. People only understand things that they're used to. So if we can be the women that have the courage, have the audacity, we have the power and we also have the confidence and we also have the, you know, the emotional intelligence to go through huge problems and to get through it and we can show people the way and create a path, like I'm game for that. You both have talked a little bit about the difference in between your two kind of like styles where Breezy is more risk-taking and Coco is kind of more strategic maybe and motherly. And I wonder if you could talk about um, some other times that those roles have, or like those characteristics have appeared. And that can be beyond work, but I wonder if you can give us some examples of of times where your kind of like differing personality types have have really like shown themselves. You know, I think it's funny because one thing about Breezy and I, again, with our different personalities, we kind of balance each other out. So even when it just in general, when it comes to us negotiating contracts, um, there's times where in my head I'm like Breezy don't say that because I don't want to lose this. And Coco's like, no. Or Breezy's like, <laughs> I said Coco, my bad. No, you said Coco. <laughs> we do that sometimes. But um, no, and then Breezy's like, no, Coco, I know our worth. I'm going to say X, Y, and Z with a straight face. And I'm like, Bree, do not say that, you know? And just in general, this happens all the time where we'll go to a meeting or we'll be on an email. after like pinch her underneath the, the table. I'm like, do not say that. But then later on, the deal gets done because Breezy is so confident with our worth, you know? And for me, I, I'm more of a person that will sugarcoat. But what I've learned from Breezy is that if you don't ask, you never know. And if, if people, the least people can do is just say no, you know? And so generally, whenever we do contracts, Breezy says, I am not allowed to be the first person to negotiate because she gets it done. And I think when it comes to um, to that situation, that's where my risk taking, I'm known out of our team that I say things and I make my team very uncomfortable sometimes in the conference room, but they later on appreciate it because I, in a great way, no, in an amazing way. I say everything that you, everybody wants to say, but like it's creeping up, but they'll never say it. I just kind of say it. And um, 
which I think is a great balance. And with Coco, Coco's the type of person where she's a get ish done type of type of girl. She makes sure that everyone's on top of their emails. No one misses a deadline. Um, she will let you know when an email comes in, even though you're already looking in front of your computer and you see it by yourself. <laughs> um, and I think it's a it's a good balance. We both can't be. I mean, we're both risk takers, but we there can't be two of me and there can't be two of her. And I think that's why that's another reason why we make such great business partners and just great sisters in general, because even it bounces off even in our personal life. Like we just got like one of our dream cars recently. And um, Coco's like, no, Breezy, we shouldn't do it. She's like, we shouldn't do it. I'm like, girl, yes, we should. Like we deserve this. Like we've been working so hard. And Miss Motherly over here now, she doesn't even let me drive it. Like <laughs> she wants to do it all the time. Or even with like, like she mentioned earlier, like when we got our first office in Manhattan and she was nervous about paying that Manhattan rent. But me being a risk taker, I was like, Coco, and my mom always told me this. If something comes your way, you'll figure it out. And sometimes you need that extra challenge to push, your, push yourself to work harder. And so I think, again, it's just, a really, really good balance because I I would make crazy decisions if I didn't have Coco to pull me back sometimes. And then I think Coco wouldn't necessarily step over the that little hump if she didn't have me. I think we've been able to really talk a lot about style, fashion, and self-determination. And a lot of the ways in which we've talked about style is from the lens of style as armor or style as something that helps you to navigate through difficult situations. And I wonder if we could talk also about the other side of fashion, the space for joy, the space for humor, the moments um, that may not be as expected in terms of the ways in which your style has evolved or the ways in which um, even as you as designers, the ways in which you've put forth designs and fashion, uh, I wonder if you could just talk about um, where joy and humor shows up in your work. Yeah, I think for us, eyewear is, you know, we always think about it where when you wear either sunglasses or eyeglasses, we always feel like one of the biggest statements and quotes that we use is that your eyewear is the outfit and your clothing is the accessory. So we always say that you can just throw on, you know, regular jeans and a white t-shirt but you put cocoa and breezy glasses on and you have your statement piece. So when we're designing our glasses, we always think about how can someone walk into a room and have a conversation piece. And that's something about our brand that we love is conversation. So it's important for us if people are going to protect their eyes from the sun or if they're going to have eye correction or protect their eyes from the blue light and everything else, we want people to do it in style. And I think that, and also, oh, go ahead, Brie. And also, I think that um, where like the joy, like the fun comes in is like the names of our product. We name everything. Everything's named either from something from my heart or it's named that represents something that happened in my life or like the people that we love. So that puts a smile on people's faces. Like we have a pair of glasses called Gratitude. And you can't help but smile if you tell somebody like, Someone asks you, what style of Coco and Breezy frames are those? And they're like, I'm wearing their gratitude frames. Like, you can't help but, like, you know, have a little smirk because, like, you're saying a self-affirmation while also naming a pair of our glasses. Or even if we're like, hey, I have the Sharita glasses on. And they're like, oh, I remember Coco and Breezy said that was, like, 
their best friend in, in middle school who like protected them when they were getting bullied. And so I think that the joy of that or even the joy of our transparency of Coco and I being, you know, twin sisters and how we started and the we get a kick out of like even us, you know, keeping it a hundred about how we started in, in this little tiny kitchen. Like that's funny. You know, it's funny because I think that it gives it makes people smile and that's the goal is to be very transparent about the process. So people can feel like they can do it as well. And again, with social media, people only want to show the glitz and the glam and the glossy side of it, but no one really knows the process. And it's important for us to be um, transparent about how we're doing things. And sometimes some people say we give too much information, but I think that our goal is that Coco and I, we didn't have those resources or the people around us that to teach us how to do things. And since we are strong enough to make mistakes and to pick ourselves back up and try it again without quitting. We don't have um, any fear that our competitors are going to take our ideas and run with it or we're going to create competitors because I think that it's important for us to build, build community, especially for people of color. If we can be those voices to teach people how we did it, I think that that's more important than sitting here trying to worry about, oh my gosh, am I giving away the best ideas? And we also know how to like, you know, step back and not give like the best, best ideas, but we also know how to at least share the surface and like even like deeper than like surface ideas and um, knowledge that we didn't get when we had that idea. Like, how do we start an eyewear company? Or how do we get an idea off the ground? And something that I don't want, I don't want to be proud of this, but we're like, we're the only black woman founded eyewear in all the optical shops that we're in. And we're in almost 500 stores. And we don't want to be the only ones, you know, we're the only ones that are vertically integrated. And so for us, we want to share our knowledge so that there can be more of us and give out the resources that we didn't have when we first had to learn how to design and produce and manufacture eyewear. And so Coco and I are pretty like, you know, we're, we're, I feel like so many people get so caught up in wanting to be the only one of things. And it's like, if you're confident in your work, like share the knowledge, because especially being women and being women of color, we all know the type of lack of resources we grew up with. And so if you can share some knowledge to somebody else, I think that's the only way we're going to change the issue. So we have some questions from our Hulu subscribers. Our first question is from Janice in Ohio. Did you pull any inspiration from your personal experiences when designing eyewear? You know, designing eyewear really came about our love for glasses. And our love for glasses came about being bullied and we would wear glasses to avoid giving eye contact to people. So, you know, I think that in the beginning, we never grew up saying that we want to be eyewear designers. We, we knew we wanted to be in fashion and we wanted to create something, but it wasn't eyewear. And also when you're in school, they never give you the career choice of being to create eyewear when really eyewear is a medical device, you know? And so I think for us, it started off as something that we used almost like a coping mechanism that helped us feel like we were unstoppable. And it was our alter ego 
But the biggest part about and the coolest part about creating a product or creating a company or a business is that you create the best ideas when you do go through certain problems or issues. Because from there, we saw that people actually wanted the glasses that we were using for ourselves as like, you know, we're just expressing our creativity. And as we grew, we had to create a real business and really take our time on our eyewear. And I would also say you gain the the best ideas when you have nothing. You you get you're like your most creative self when you create something out of nothing. And that's where the idea also stemmed from. Our next question is from Derek in Georgia. Who has inspired you to be unique and creative? Oh my god, I would say our parents. Honestly, like I have to say like our dad who's a double amputee who has been through so many surgeries, who's had over five strokes, who's been in and out the hospital. That man is such a warrior. And he he always taught us to never get upset over something you can't control. And so through all his triumphs, he's always remained positive. I've never seen him complain about him not, you know, him with the situation of being a double amputee. He's never con- complained about none of that. And at his age, he actually just picked up painting. And I'm like, you're so inspiring for that. He was like, girls, can you guys, you know, buy me some like paintbrushes and some canvases? I'm like, hell yeah, dad. Like, that's so inspiring. And then our mom, that woman is a trip. Okay. She is Miss Spicy Puerto Rican queen. And our mom inspires me every day because she has this like confidence that I've never seen in anybody. She can walk into any room and light it up and she is not afraid to speak out and she's not afraid to be herself whatsoever. And every time, like our mom, literally like every day, I feel like she's blossoming into like this even more confident woman every single day. And she just picked up her love for like makeup. Like she watches all like the YouTube beauty girls and she'd be sending us her little like makeup tutorial videos i'm like you better go ahead girl miss wannabe youtube girl and i love it like our mom and dad they both just inspire us because they went through a really hard situations growing up and they didn't allow that to control their future and so they always you know put that into our brains as well so yeah they inspire our creativity every single day and our last question comes from regina in nevada and regina asks how does it feel to work with your twin sister? Oh my gosh. Working with my twin sister is literally the best. And I can't even say like, if we're speaking on even right now, like working with my twin sister during quarantine, having to work from home, um, I definitely don't take it for granted because Coco and I, we have, not only are we like really amazing business partners, but we're also best friends. We're each other's therapists. And I think that since Coco and I have such a tight relationship, we grew up knowing how to share. We grew up knowing how to have really good communication. So I think that since Coco and I are really great at working together, the skills that we develop with each other, we kind of pass that on to, you know, working with our team. So that actually makes Coco and I great leaders because we're so used to, we know how to work with a person. And something that her and I agreed on is that we can't put our emotions or sisterhood into our business and so we both have our own roles and so I know that we have our own roles so that we can both hold each other accountable for something and we can't 
put our emotions into that. So working with a family member along with a twin, I can't speak for other people because I know a lot of twins who don't get along, but I'm definitely very grateful that I get to work with my best friend. So this part is the fun part where you guys get to, um, for two minutes, just sound off about something that's been on your mind recently. Go. Breezy. What has been on my mind? No, I'm just kidding. Um, what has been on my mind? I think what's been on my mind right now is social media and how, like, taking a break from social media is very important. And I think that for us, during this time, while we have so much time on our hands, well, not a lot of time, but, like, we, we go so straight on social media when really... It's like we've been working for so many years and this time is very special while we're in quarantine because Breezy and I were always like, go, go, go. Now we're finally spending time to like cook and nourish our bodies. So for all the people that work really hard, take this time and every day after this to take care of yourselves because this is the most we've ever actually took time to take care of ourselves and take a break from social media. It's good for your mental health. Exactly. And even like today, we're kind of, we took a break earlier today. Yeah, and I will also say, don't ever compare yourself to other people. We all have our own journeys. And with that being said, there's no point in comparing yourself. I think that a lot of people, especially if we as like women of color, we're some of the first to do what we do, but we don't want to be the only ones, you know? So I think a lot of people get so afraid to share knowledge or they're afraid of friendly competition because they want to be that only one. But we have to do this together. So I think that if people spend less time comparing themselves and just really focusing on their main goals, you'll succeed a lot faster. Coming out of today's conversation, well, I still feel so emotional. Um, but beyond my touchy-feely emotional side, I feel a lot of gratitude for Coco and Breezy and for, you know, not unlike many of our other guests who were really so candid in today's conversation. And I hope that anyone who's listening at home also understands that there can be so much power and potential in your dreams. Um, There wasn't a magic wand that was waved over Coco and Breezy that made them into these powerful creatives and business owners. It really was community and care, ambition and self-reflection that helped to get them where they are today. And those tools and assets are so readily accessible to all of us, um, especially in this moment of reflection and solitude, if we're fortunate enough to have that. What ways can we embolden ourselves to be the best version of ourselves, I think, is one of the mantras that I'm returning to in this moment of quarantine. Now that we're at the end of our road, I have to say, and I posted this on Instagram the other day because I'm just so cheesy, um, but I think that recording this podcast and being able to talk with all of our guests has really changed my perspective on the world. One of the through lines, I think, if anyone, you know, as you guys take the time to listen to more episodes or if you have listened to episodes, one of the clear through lines in so many of our interviews Uh, has been that many of our guests are self-starters. Many of our guests are really invested in setting intentions. Many of our guests are really self-reflective. 
And also, I think many of our guests are really invested in owning their own businesses or building their own platforms. And I think being able to sit down with each of our guests and hear how they found themselves in those spaces has inspired me to be a little bit more self-possessed and has inspired me above all else to believe so much more firmly in creativity and our expression of ourselves is so important and so essential because it is that expression on the page or with ourselves or in how we understand ourselves that help to make a life worth living. These things exist so far beyond kind of the traditional realms of what capitalism may inform us to think about expression. In so many ways, each of our guests started doing the thing that they wanted to do first at home and for themselves. All of the success in the more traditional ways came after. It starts with a seed and so much can flourish from each of those little seeds. And we have to tend to and take care of them. This podcast was an opportunity to connect. This podcast is a call to action to each of us. And I really and truly from the bottom of my heart am so honored to have been able to be your host and a co-pilot along with the brilliant team that worked tirelessly to make this podcast happen. This podcast is a podcast about self-love. This podcast is a podcast about self-possession. This podcast is a podcast about Black excellence. And I hope that we have had your attention. And I hope that you give that attention back to each and every one of you. I hope that you give that attention to your community members because that attention is deserved. And I am so, so thankful to have had it for the time that I did. And so signing off, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid to find what you love. Share it with the world and scream from the mountaintop. Your attention, please.